Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Gossman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is Thursday, September 8th, 2022. This is the Thursday game week. Mind your banners, Dustin. This is Dustin Apirak across from me as always. Dustin, this is kind of, I think, the, the, the rhythm we're hoping to go for is sort of like a Sunday, Monday recap of the weekend and then a, a sort of Thursday afternoon look ahead to the weekend uh, that, that will be, plus anything, picking up anything else. We're going to talk about the Big Ten basketball schedule today. It was released just a, about an hour ago, um, or, well, at very least, it was... Um, it, it was supposed it was, to be out an hour ago. It was, it was dripped out. Uh, I don't particularly understand the, the, the format, but it's fine. We have it now. Um, we're gonna, let's, talk, let's start with football, though. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a, a ton to say about this game. It's clear Idaho has Indiana's attention um idaho only lost 24 to 17 to washington state last weekend now it's worth saying uh university of idaho is like a i think like a 20 minute drive from washington state they are on basically just two sides of the the they're in the palouse that uh, little area and sort of like southwestern washington or southeastern washington southwestern idaho so it's not always a rivalry game but that was that was always a game that, from a travel perspective, logistical perspective, and, and probably, frankly, an emotional perspective, Idaho under a first-year head coach was going to be cranked up for. Sure. But on the other hand, I think Idaho is very much kind of throwing caution to the wind in these two games, feeling like we got nothing to lose. You know, this is again a fresh start under a new head coach. Let's just yeah. go out there, be aggressive, try some crazy stuff, go forward and fourth down, all those kinds of things. I, I want to say they had a scoop and score against Washington State. They did. It's clear that that that. And Tom Allen also, I think, I guess I should add this too. He was hoarse when we talked to him today, and he basically said there has been a real focus on keeping the intensity up around the North End Zone facility this week. The idea being there was such an a big, there was such a big emotional release from the Illinois game. Don't let all of that good work fall flat with a really disappointing performance against an Idaho team that, if Indiana plays even reasonably well, they should they should beat. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that he is making a point of saying this will not be as easy as it was last year. Um, I, I think that's kind of a big, big key of saying, you know, for the guys that are returning, they're looking at it and saying, well, you know, even when we were a wreck last year, we managed to hang 56 on these guys. So, I mean, how good can they be? This should be, you know, a downshift game. Um, but, you know, Alan's point is that, uh, you know, they're not basically that there's they're definitely tougher. Um, you know, again, 24 to 17 that they didn't let. um you know, Cameron Ward, the, you know, very uh, highly recruited transfer out of Incarnate Word, uh, go crazy on them. Uh, they, you know, again, did have a scoop and score for a touchdown, uh, did pile some yards on there. I think they're that uh, their wide receiver. I think Jermaine Johnson, I think 110 yards receiving. So they've got some dynamic players. Uh, and I think um, uh, Tom Allen says he sees a, a lot more discipline, um, basically. And that's, you know, kind of an issue considering how easy IU really went crazy on them on special teams last year. I mean, that's really what, what, um, you know, turn that thing around. And I think he looks at it and says, this isn't going to be the same way. Let's you know, get it across right here that you're not going to, um, you, you, you could easily go sideways with this thing if you don't take it serious. Um, 
And so, you know, making sure that nobody sees Idaho on the schedule and just says, okay, well, this is just going to be no different than last year. And they're just making clear it's not going to be the exact same guys. It is interesting where, you know, where this kind of fits for Indiana. I mean, I I think it, it, I don't know if it's a better Iowa team. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I know enough about Iowa. It certainly feels like a reinvigorated, or Idaho, excuse me. It certainly feels like a reinvigorated Idaho team. Uh, You know, on the other hand, obviously, Indiana comes into this game in a very different place than where it was a year ago. Um, You know, I think that only with the benefit of hindsight could we know that really the the seeds had kind of been sown and that, that, you know, beating at Iowa – um, for what that season would unfold into. And Idaho was kind of this, this very sort of nervous, um, you know, kind of apprehensive week to, you know, what happens if Indiana goes in and plays poorly there? Like, is it really as bad as it, it could possibly be? And as you said, I mean, that was a three phases game. I think Indiana scored touchdowns in all three phases that night. Um, and, you know, it, it, it turned out at very least to be kind of maybe the, the one really expected result in a season that otherwise preseason we would not have expected to go the way that it did. Now you're kind of in a situation where, you know, clearly Allen is guarding against overconfidence. But on the other hand, if you're Indiana, you should feel good. The defense very much looks back to its best. Um, Idaho's apparently I was talking to somebody out there today. Idaho's offensive line is, is not a strength, according to them. Um, and. Your offense, even given obviously some some substantial or, or justifiable concerns about its offensive line, which we'll talk about in a minute, and its run game, your quarterback still throws for three thirty in his first game. He still has two hundred yard receivers. You've got two or three other players there that I think flashed playmaking potential in the past game. Again, this is a game that Indiana should win fairly comfortably. I think that the the big question if you're Indiana is can you get to a place where you are comfortable enough to start tinkering a little bit, you know, throwing some different stuff on the field, throwing some different personnel on the field, maybe looking at some things and saying, okay, week one, here's a list of things that didn't work. Now we have maybe the sort of controlled environment to, to, to tinker with some of that in real time um, and see if we can't get it better. Because you, you, you would imagine Indiana will not be hiding a ton from this game in the way that they might be if these two games were reversed. If they were playing Idaho week one, they'd go incredibly vanilla. So Illinois wouldn't have anything really interesting on film. I don't think they went vanilla for Illinois. So there's going to be stuff that they won't pull out of the playbook to later in the year, but they're not going to be hiding a lot. I don't think intentionally in this game for me, it's, it's kind of this dual question of, can you take Idaho seriously enough to be comfortably in control of this game by halftime. And then if you can get yourself into that position, basically, can you take that offense in particular into the lab a little bit and, and just experiment with some things that that clearly needed fixing from week one. Right. Absolutely. I mean, they're not going to throw out a whole bunch of trick plays that, uh, that no one's seen before, but they, you know, you imagine that there are, some things they'd like to see. I, I, they're obviously going to want to see just if, if they can run the ball more. Um, I, I think they, there's opportunity there. Um, it doesn't even necessarily have to be uh, just all that dressed up as, as far as play calling is concerned. I, I think they just it, out of this game, you want to prove that you can run the ball against a, a smaller team. You know, you look at week one and say, well, that was a lost cause. Uh, from the running game perspective, at least that's how Walt Bell's talking about it, is that there was just no way they were going to be able to run the ball. And it was just a case of, like he said, poking the bear just to say that we would try. 
um, th- this they have to be able to at least show or, or get a feeling of what it's like to uh, run the balls down someone's throat. I mean, I, I don't think I looked at the depth chart and Idaho doesn't start a defensive lineman uh, who's bigger than 260 pounds. And that's an area where Indiana should be able to win. They should be able to create holes up front, pound the football uh, and move it. And so I, th- I think they're going to want to you know show put on tape uh that they can do that basically whether whether they're they're doing any kind of trickeration or whatever i think they just want to prove that they can run basic run plays uh and pound the ball at you against a, at least a smaller defensive line um you know just just force uh future opponents to respect it put that on film go get sean shivers 100 yards like they did last year for stephen carr in this game uh you know go you know get some other guys out there get you know show jalen lucas Basically, and I think that's the thing that you want to do at this point is you don't want to hide Jalen Lucas anymore. You want to get him out here and, and, and get, get him out there and, and make him a weapon um, and show that he's a guy that you have to you you have to account for when he's on the field. Basically, I think this is a game for them to do that. Um, it's a it, it could be a game for them to dig deeper into, you know, like I said, personnel wise, uh, some of the freshman class, get our Omar Cooper, some opportunities, uh, to catch the football and, and not just him, you know, just get some other guys involved Malachi Holt Bennett, um, you know, you know, guys like that, um, you know, maybe even a Cameron Perry, you know, further down the line, basically if they're winning that game by a bunch, um, you know, get Jack Tuttle, some work, get Dexter Williams, some work, uh, basically if, if you can, put this thing away, uh, basically spread out some opportunities, um, you know, again, just to, to see what else you have down there, you know, get some guys, some game action that haven't had it. Uh, that is something they're, they're wanting to chase. It. I think is important for them going forward to get some guys on the field uh, that haven't, that didn't get, you know, on the field in week one. I think the freshman shout's a good one. I also think the Jalen Lucas shout is a good one. Um, you know, we've seen Tom Allen use, games like this games again that indiana should be winning fairly comfortably in his time as head coach before to bleed a few freshmen recognizing that we're you know the the, the covid year is not on the table anymore so we're back to kind of the the, the one real consideration being if you want a red shirt a guy you can only play four games right but using this sort of game as kind of a here's your first chance to at least see what you have We'll take a game off your ledger in the first two, obviously. But if you, you know, this is a good time to sort of find out, should we keep giving you more chances and maybe just forego your red shirt and, and just, just play you full on from the beginning? Or do we get you out there? We find out that there's still some things you're uncomfortable with and we kind of go back to the drawing board with you a little bit. Um, I, I do think the thing, and I mentioned this earlier, that, that we'll be focused on more than anything else in this game will be Indiana's offensive line. Matthew Bedford is out for the year with a torn ACL. Parker Hanna, um, the transfer, is is going to be his replacement. Tom Allen was was pretty firm about that. I think you and I are both curious about Joshua Sales. Uh, Very much so. Been, who had been working more in everything we saw in the preseason at left tackle rather than right, um, but had pretty consistently been Indiana's number two left tackle and is now listed as the backup at both the left and the right at least insofar as we are willing to trust publicly released two deeps and depth charts and such as that. I know I like sales coming out of Brownsburg high school a couple of seasons ago. He was a recruit that Indiana had to fight pretty hard for, according to all sort of relevant authorities when it comes to, you know, kind of recruiting and who Indiana had to, 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 to kind of beat a way to keep him and, or get him and, and, you know, just kind of how, how hard Indiana worked, how much they really coveted him. I'm not dismissing Parker Hannah, I am curious if Sales can force himself into the rotation a little bit more. 
Um, I thought Hannah had some pretty hit and miss moments in week one, but he was hardly alone in that regard. And certainly, if anything, you can sort of forgive him more than maybe some other individuals along the offensive line because he didn't expect to start. He would have expected to be getting spot snaps behind Bedford. Um, but I think that there's there's not not just this weekend, but for the frankly foreseeable future, certainly at least the next maybe two, three weeks, that is the position group that I think people are going to look at the, the closest. And it's worth saying, I think Stephen Carr's, if I'm not mistaken, his only 100-yard rushing game was against Idaho last year. He might have had one in Big Ten play, maybe Maryland. Um, but, you know, week two last year was was one of the few weeks, and, you know, it had a lot to do, obviously, with the opposition. But where Indiana's run game in 2021 actually flourished a little bit, um, you're not going to, you know, make any dramatic technical fixes you know, you're not going to have that Hollywood moment where everything clicks into place for that offensive line. And in particular, I think for that run game, because I think this line has shown at least enough capacity to pass block well, that if it could run block well, its job in pass blocking would get a lot easier. Um, you, you're not going to fix all that in week two, but it really wouldn't hurt for that group to just have a, a night they could feel good about themselves. And when they go back and watch on film, they say, yep, we were able to go out and execute what we were asked to execute. And we got, we got the results we were aiming for. And now we can build on this going forward. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I think, you know, I am sure Indiana fans will probably watch it and then say, well, wow. I mean, you're, you, you, beat up on a line that has only 260 pound guy, you know, nobody bigger than 260 pounds, you know, whoopee. Um, and they, they won't be sold by that, but it still, I think matters just to get the feel of doing something right. You know, like I, I think there's, there's value in that. I think for athletes, even if you're just, you're dominating somebody smaller than you or, or, or less athletic than you or whatever, uh, just get the muscle memory back of what it feels like to dominate somebody. Um, I, and, and I think that matters for offensive lines. I, I think when you can get uh, a group, a lot of confidence, it, it, it can help matters. I mean, they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to be the best offensive line in the big 10. They're just not, you know, obviously. And that's not, um, really achievable there. Have I frozen on you, Zach? Never mind. Sorry. Okay. No, you're good. I, I, I saw my screen freeze, so I wasn't sure. So apologies. Anyway, um, I think it, uh, obviously they're not going to be the best unit in the Big Ten, but I, I think it just matters for them to get a feel that they can beat up on somebody. Um, and so that'll help. I, I think that'll get them started. They'll be able to, again, see some things uh, they can work on and correct, um, but also just get the feel of what it's like just to beat up on somebody. Um, you know, I... I I looked back a little bit at a, a little bit more at the film after, you know, hearing Walt Bell's kind of explanation for week one. And he's not wrong. Um, Illinois did load the heck out of the box. There were, you know, on any run play, there were five guys immediately to be dealt with at the line of scrimmage, you know, instantaneously it was, you know, hat on a hat basically on the line. And if, if Indiana brought a tight end, then somebody else came in the box basically. And then there was a linebacker behind that. Um, so it, it was a lot to deal with. And, you know, I, I get that piece of it, but you know, there, they, they, they certainly could have done better. There were, it wasn't like it was always the unblocked guy that was beating them. You know, frankly, they were, they were just losing some of the one-on-one -on -one matchups. Um, but, you know, still there, there was some overload there. Um, and you know, so they can come away feeling like that. Okay. Like we were going to lose this battle. You know, it's just, it's not necessarily fair to judge us on this and we can go forward and, and beat up on somebody and then, then believe that we're not as bad as we looked week one. That's what their psyche can be. And I think that that does matter, even if, you know, they're not going to be a great line to start with. It matters that they've got 
some cohesion, some level of confidence, you know, that stuff can be relevant. So I think a, a good performance for them in this one, a dominant performance for them in this one is important. It's also, I mean, it's worth saying Bedford is, is probably the sort of most publicly recognized leader among the, that group. Yes. He's very experienced, obviously he played right away after Coy Cronk's injury in 2019 and has kind of been a mainstay along the line ever since. Um, there are worse games to play when you lose that player out of your position group and, and you lose one of your two tackles, you lose one of your most experienced players, you lose, you know, I, I don't think this is anything that is like sort of like officially codified anywhere. I don't think Tom Allen, you know, makes this a thing, but he's essentially probably seen as the captain or maybe one of the captains of the offensive line room. Um yeah. It's also probably a reminder this this offensive line can't afford too many more injuries right now. Um, but, you know, there there are worse games, I think, to play when you're trying to replace that player, essentially. And when you're trying to to do something about – sorry, that's that's my G-chat pinging away. I think it's Mike Glasgow of all people. Hello, class. Um, uh, when you're trying to sort of figure out not just the, the X's and O's and the technical specifications, but the – the dynamics without a player of that stature in your huddle, in your meetings, in your, you know, you know, with you kind of leading the group on the sideline. Um, there are worse games to try and have to go through some of that with too, because you're all gonna, you are going to have to look around at some guys and sort of say, basically, listen, you know, Matt's not going to be here the rest of the year. Somebody else has got to be comfortable stepping up and speaking in a huddle or leading, you know, leading some sort of conversation between drives or whatever. Um, and I'm not saying other guys weren't doing that. I, I'm, I'm not sitting there in the huddle with them, obviously. But, you know, that group is almost certainly going to need some some fresh leadership, because even if it has other guys that are comfortable vocal leaders, one of its most vocal experienced players just went down for the year this is the kind of game where maybe somebody can get a little confidence in, in stepping up that way. Right. Absolutely. I mean, obviously it can get Hannah's feet set um, against, you know, guys that are sort of more his speed. Um, and, you know, it, it will allow someone else to, you know, uh, step up in that position of Luke Haggard, maybe a Mike Kadick, maybe a, uh, a Zach Carpenter, maybe. And, um, you know, Josh Sales, uh, as, as we mentioned, I mean, like if, if Indiana can win this game and win it going away, Josh Sales probably gets in the field someplace and, and, and at least can make his case. As it stands, uh, you know, Tom Allen is saying that there's not competition for that position. It's Parker Hanna's job. Uh, but he said there is opportunity for Josh Sales. So he specifically mentioned that. And I did think it was worth mentioning that uh, Sales is at the bottom of both of those depth charts. Again, I mean, we don't know what we can speak for that, but you know, every, they ultimately have to put those lists out there. There's got to be some kind of reason um, for, you know, what, what, whoever they put wherever it's not important necessarily, but um, you know, I, I think it, it, it is a statement that sales is, a, it is the number two uh, at both of those spots. And I think the statement is they, they want him to play his way onto the field. Uh, they want him to play his way as an opportunity. And um, he has an opportunity at both of those spots. He's probably not going to unseat Luke Haggard, um, but he's going to get, you know, continue to get looks there, obviously working with the second team in practice. Um, but he's also going to get some looks at right tackle and see if, 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 you know, I, he, he doesn't have zero opportunity to overtake Parker Hanna. 
I, I would say it's 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 Parker Hanna's job. It is not op- up for open competition, but that doesn't mean that if Josh Sales just blocks the heck out of everybody in practice, that he can't overtake that thing. At very least, you can imagine a world where we see a little bit more rotation. Um, but I, I do think, I mean, I think there are some other interesting pieces this weekend. Uh, you know, how much do certain guys play, like Cam Jones, for example? Um, can you get a, a few more playmakers to emerge? You don't just want to have two wide receivers. You can have two dominant wide receivers, or, or at least two guys that are kind of getting dominant snaps. But this is a this would be a great week for some Donovan McCulley, you know, sort of mix some things in for yes. the tight end game to get a little bit, a little bit more work, whatever. Um, but it's also Idaho. So let's kind of not overdo it before we're done. Um, the big 10 schedule, and I will read it out very quickly here. Once I can find it on my Twitter timeline, and we're not talking about the whole IU schedule. This is just the big 10 schedule, but obviously now we do have the IU schedule in full because the big 10 schedule is filled in December 7th at Rutgers, excuse me, December 3rd at Rutgers, December 7th. Nebraska, January 5th at Iowa, January 8th, Northwestern, January 11th at Penn State, January 14th, Wisconsin, January 19th at Illinois, January 22nd, Michigan State, January 25th at Minnesota, January 28th, Ohio State, January 31st at Maryland, February 4th, Purdue, February 7th, Rutgers, February 11th at Michigan, February 15th at Northwestern, February 18th, Illinois, February 21st at Michigan State, February 25th at Purdue, February 28th, Iowa, March 5th, Michigan, um, we don't know times yet. We don't know TV designations yet. That stuff will will kind of come out in, I don't know, the the, the next few weeks and months and whatever else. Um, I, I mean, the, the first thing I will say about the schedule is if Indiana does win the Big Ten this year and, you know, I, I, I kind of roll my eyes at the, the reporters, forgive me, and I won't name names around the league who sort of an intermittently tweet out when news drops about how skeptical they are of Indiana. Like everyone's not sort of skeptical of Indiana for some very obvious reasons. Um, but Indiana will likely be the, the preseason favorite in the big 10 this year. Um, and that will be because of their experience, because of their depth, uh, to some extent, because it felt like they did kind of figure some things out under Mike Woodson at the end of last season, I think the thing that will give me the greatest pause when I'm putting my Big Ten my, or my, uh, my my preseason ballot together, whenever that is, probably sometime next month, I would presume, will be that schedule. That is an incredibly difficult schedule. Um, it opens at Rutgers, which is not easy. Um, they, they get their, uh, their annual traditional uh, Nebraska game. For whatever reason, they always play Nebraska in December. But, I mean, you look at February onward, Purdue, Rutgers at Michigan, at Northwestern, Illinois, at Michigan State, at Purdue, Iowa, Michigan. If they win or even come close to winning the Big Ten, man, they will have earned it. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think one of the only breaks they get as far as a pairing is concerned when you kind of look at what everybody lost and got back is, is you know, they only get they get Ohio State once and they get them at home. Uh, I think Ohio State has a chance to be uh, a, a pretty tough out. But just about everybody who looks everybody else who looks like a pretty tough out. Uh, they get twice. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Purdue, I think, is still going to be tough, even with all the losses they had with Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams and Sasha Stwanovic, et cetera. Uh, they still got some dudes, uh, you know, starting with ED, but but moving on. And, and you know, obviously, you're obviously get Purdue twice. But, you know, you get Michigan twice in the last couple weeks. Uh, that could be a big deal. Obviously, I think you know Hunter Dickinson still has a case for you know whether it's Trace Jackson Davis or him is, is the best player in the Big Ten, um, and so they're going to have some young guys around him. Obviously, they, they've lost some important pieces, but they still have some guys, um, and you know there there are you know fr- 
kids that were freshmen last year or whatever are going to have some more opportunities. I and mean, I think they, they got some things done in the transfer portal too. So Michigan's going to be tough. Michigan State's going to be tough. It's Izzo because of course it is. Uh, they get Illinois down that stretch and they get they do get Illinois twice. And I think that Illinois team has a chance to be good with with uh, Mayer and and uh, and Shannon uh, coming into that program. Uh, just But this, the way it sets up, there's just not a lot of breaks. Um, and there's not a lot of breaks. And in particular, you know, February and March is just going to be a grind. You know, from February 4th, I think they play eight, eight of the nine games they have from February 4th to March 5th are going to be against tournament teams, uh, against returning tournament teams. And, you know, again, some, some of those took some hits, really all of them took some hits. And, and that's why, you know, Indiana is in the place it's in, that being a conference favorite in the first place is everybody in the league uh, got hit really hard. So you've got to be skeptical of everybody. Um, but still, there's just there, there is talent uh, in, in, you know, just basically all of those games in February, March. There's just there's going to be no let up. And, and you know, they are going to have to earn it because, you know, February, March is going to take a lot out of them. It's hard to imagine. And I think we, we said this. I think I don't think I said this to you. I think I said this to um, someone else. But it, it you're right. There's a lot we don't know about the Big Ten. And, and basically the reason why Indiana is sort of being positioned as the 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 likeliest preseason favorite is because you know in a conference where Illinois lost so much Purdue's lost so much Ohio State's lost so much Michigan's lost so much Indiana at least returns some stuff you can rely on you can believe in etc but like there are obviously a handful of programs that if basically everybody has questions you would look at and say they're the likeliest to find the answers enough to be in Big Ten contention or at least contention to finish in the top five, top six in the conference. And Indiana gets most of those. And it, the, the ones that it only gets single play, uh, you know, at least one of those Illinois is on the road. So that's difficult. Um and the oh, they get Illinois twice. They get, they get Illinois twice. I thought Illinois was one of the anyway. The point is, as you said, I think that the other the other big piece is that the schedule is stacked hard with those with those teams in February and March. And so, you know, this is a team that is clearly preparing to challenge itself in November and December, not week after week. And, you know, frankly, looking at this Big Ten schedule, I don't really blame them. Um, but they they want to know what they are and what they have very quickly in terms of, you know, at Xavier, UNC, but then voluntarily seeking out Arizona on a neutral floor and a trip to Kansas. Um, we're going to, I think, have a pretty good idea by New Year's Day how ready Indiana is for this, this Big Ten schedule. And it really does, again, just affirm that while there's a lot we don't know about the Big Ten, it is it is hard to see this schedule. It's, it's incredibly difficult to see the schedule not being very, very difficult for Indiana. Um, if it's not, then we're probably talking about a, a very low number of NCAA tournament bids for the Big Ten. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it, it, I think it, it does go back to your point that a, a lot of these teams just traditionally figure it out. Um, I mean, the, the Big Ten could be down this year for all it lost, and, and I think it was, you know, I keep going back to this number, 13 of the 17 Um guys that were all or 13 to 16 guys that were all big 10 on either the uh, media or coaches list are gone. Um, so everybody has to figure something out. Basically everybody is um, more or less. Everybody is, is refiguring out, you know, who's their best player. Who's their second best player. You know, who are their options? How does their offense work? Who does it work around? Who gets the ball in crunch time? Almost everybody is refiguring that out, but 
there are programs again at this point that you trust will figure that out because they just do um over time and you know whether it's because you know with with michigan state you know they they lost a bunch but you just figure that Izzo's going to figure it out well enough that they're going to be a top five team you know in the league um you just figure they have to be they're they're tom is those michigan state teams they're going to figure it out you know michigan has you know still has its best player coming back um for all else that it has lost it still has its best player coming back it has something to center around and then it has other talented pieces that it is amassed over time that you have to think um you know we'll, we'll be able to reload you know illinois you know we're just it seems like underwood's really got it moving and he got two major transfers plus a pretty you know uh, highly regarded freshman class you just figure those pieces are going to come together you know obviously matt painter as well um you figure that he's going to figure out what to do with um to make up for the losses he's got it's just it's it has a chance to be rough because you know they're they're going to play the marquee programs in this league and even Iowa is going to have you know if if Chris Murray is who they think he's going to be and if, if if he follows a similar track to you know his twin brother um, and you see more of what you saw at the end from Chris Murray then Iowa is going to be trouble and so you know uh, all, all of that just leads to it's going to be a it, it's going to be a tough schedule for Indiana they can do it um, but it, they are going to have to earn it. I guess the last question I, I have for you, and I, I imagine we will both be asked to put some sort of formal ballot together at some point um, or some sort of prediction together at some point by somebody. Would you still make Indiana the favorite in the conference? Um, and, I, you know, I would probably personally, I would probably shade toward yes, simply because, again, there is, you know, I mean, I, I think that maybe Michigan returns more than people realize if you kind of look at just the, the the not just a guy like Dickinson but some of the other pieces around him so I, I think that maybe Michigan gets swept a little bit too quickly into that whole sort of like we don't know anything about the Big Ten because all these teams lost all these players last year conversation um but you do feel like you know the most about Indiana they've got two point guards they've got you know Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson and a really good looking freshman class and depth and experience and yada 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 and they did genuinely up until you know kind of I think just sort of going off the the edge of the cliff against St. Mary's look like they had figured some things out in a very meaningful way in about the last month of last season it wasn't it didn't just feel like a hot streak it felt like Indiana had had kind of put some key pieces together under Mike Woodson but if I do vote Indiana number one and I'm, I'm just kind of curious for your perspective on this. It, it will probably be more hesitantly as much because I just look at the schedule and think teams that get handed a schedule like this in the big 10 usually don't win it. And, and it, and it's, you know, that's kind of an uncomfortable truth. People don't like talking about that. People say, Oh, you're blaming the schedule. You're doing this, you're doing that. It turns into kind of this, this point of banter between fans, but um, you know, the, the reality is, not always, but often there is a direct correlation between your conference strength of schedule and your final record. And and if and if you are in the conference championship race, you know, if you go back and, and look over the years, teams that win the Big Ten title tend to be tend to have easier schedules. If we I mean if you literally just kind of go back through the last few years, Illinois and Wisconsin won it last year. Illinois had the fifth toughest schedule in the conference, but Wisconsin's was 10th the year before that, uh, which obviously was a weird year with COVID. The the top four 
teams in the conference finished 13th, 14th, 12th, and 11th in strength of schedule. Michigan State won the conference in 2020 with the 12th toughest schedule. They won it in 2019 with the 13th toughest schedule. Purdue tied with them that year with the 12th toughest schedule. Before that, the top three goes 14, 12, 11. Teams that get a schedule that and it's September 8th, maybe we're wrong about some of these teams. Maybe Indiana's lucky to be avoiding certain teams more than others. But but if 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 we're even if we're even vaguely correct, you know, 60, 70 percent correct on what we think of, of the conference this year, um, this is going to be one of the more difficult schedules that any team, certainly any contender is going to face. It does give me a little bit more pause in predicting them as as the potential favorite in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I'll still probably make them the favorite just because I, you know, for one thing, I can live with being wrong if they don't win it, and uh, you know, like it's not it's not like we lose anything if we guess wrong. And I I think they're the best team, and I and I think uh, I, I think they have the best collection of talent um, at the end of the day. And generally, I'm going to pick that uh, whether it ends up being wrong or not. Um, you know, I just ca- kind of see that as of. At this point, I think it's the best collection of talent in the league as far as it being, you know, a best proven talent, being able to envision them, you know, pieces coming together. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, there are some other teams that have a chance to be really good. Michigan among them. I mean, I went through, um, I want to say it was it just after the draft, uh, I, I think in May, basically, once Trace decided he was going to come back to look and say who was, uh, you know, who deserved it, basically, you know, uh, you know, kind of rank the teams. Um, and I did have Michigan second on that list, um, but they did lose a lot. I mean, they lost a whole lot. Devontae Jones, Eli Brooks, Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, Brandon, Brandon Johns, Frankie Collins, uh, you know, and so there are a lot of pieces that uh, they lose. I mean, they need, you know, Kobe, you know, Terrence Williams and Kobe Bufkin are probably your next two best players uh, that are returning after Dickinson. And then you've got, uh, they added Jalen Llewellyn from Princeton, um, but they, they really got hit. And some other ones did too. Um, I mean, and, and the thing is you look at, I think it, you look at some of the programs that you're like, okay, well, they have a chance because they got this really good freshman class. Well, Indiana's got this, all of these returners and this has a really good freshman class. Uh, and I think that's something that's, that's worth noting. I mean, like, we don't know what everyone's rules are going to be, but like, I mean, Jalen Huchifino and Malik Reno are really good basketball players. You know, I don't know if we know what, you know, where Caleb Banks is going to fit in there. I think we both think that Caleb's going to be really good eventually, whether that happens this year or not. And CJ Gunn has a chance to be too, but like, Huchavino and Reno are going to be ready to go, you know, whatever. I think they're going to be good enough to be rotation players. And that matters. I think those are going to be trustworthy guys. I think, you know, if Tamar Bates is a trustworthy guy and you already know what you're getting from race Thompson as Jordan Geronimo and Trace Jackson Davis and Xavier Johnson, for the most part, um, I, I just have a hard time picking against anybody else, picking against them right now. Again, obviously you could be totally right about the schedule. They could totally not win it. Um, but generally, when I'm picking this, I'm saying I'm I'm asking myself who is the, who is, you know, who's the best team, you know, less like in terms of okay, who's going to win this individual matchup and that individual matchup, you know, ultimately I think who is the best team in the Big Ten, and I think going in, um, I have a hard time saying that anybody but Indiana is the best team in the Big Ten. I think that's fair. I just you know it, it there is a there is a a. It does feel like there is a, a pretty direct relationship between conference strength of schedule and, you know, whether you're there at the end or whether it wears you down. It will be interesting to see. And, again, 
it's September. We may be wrong about some of these teams. You know, we, we may find out, for example, that an Illinois did not get it back together the way we think they will in the post Kofi Coburn era. I think I'm more skeptical than most people. Purdue's got questions. Um, you know, Michigan State, you know, again, you have faith in Tom Izzo, but they're always going to have some questions. Um, but it is it is also, I think, more than anything else, a reminder that that basketball season is not that far away. Indiana is Indiana opens the season on November 8th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which means that basketball practice, I believe, starts in 19 days. So if I'm doing my math right. So we are very much at that time of year. We are at the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll be back again either Sunday or Monday. I think that's probably our aim at this point um, to kind of recap the, the weekend's game and just sort of look forward to whatever is next. For Dustin DePerak, I'm Zach Osterman. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.